Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snow Shit podcast. I am super excited about this episode today. My guest, Amy Ladine, is a fitness and mindset coach who has come, overcome some pretty big challenges in her life. And she's also the host of a podcast called F It. And we'll get her to tell you a little bit more about this. But the reason why, I mean, I've been following Amy for a while because I love all of her mindset stuff. But the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with her today was on her podcast, Amy did a show about menopause and metabolic mind games. And as I was listening to that show, I was like, oh my God, she's talking to me. She was talking to me, not so much right now because I've kind of got a handle on it, but me like five years ago, like everything that she was saying, I was like, that is me. That is me. That was me. And I just thought like, we have to have this conversation because I know there are many, many other women who are facing this same thing. And so what we're going to be talking about is how menopause impacts us in fitness and fat loss. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And just, I love the name of your podcast. (laughs) Holy cow. That's awesome. And this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, it is. So tell us a little bit about your experience, how you got into fitness and mindset. Okay. So I was a heavy kid growing up, you know, my nickname was Piglet. I struggled, you know, I would say most of my teen years and on into my twenties, I had a struggling mother that I watched pretty much do cereal diets, you know, everything. She was always on some new diet. And sometimes as I got older, I would jump in with her, not really knowing, you know, the, any of the warning signs of what I was getting into in my twenties, I, I hit 230 and I did have like a moment, thankfully for me, where it was like a wake up call. I had a little toddler that I was at the, at the park and I was tired. I was sluggish and, you know, didn't really want to be out there playing. And so I just started Tybo and Weight Watchers. You know, I had the Tybo on VHS and I joined Weight Watchers and through that, through about a year and a half, you know, I lost 90 pounds and, you know, I say that I lost it, but it took me about another 10 years at that external weight of really getting it. I think for 10 years, I had a lot of eating issues. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, if you're a, a high achieving female, I find that I tend to relate a lot to this person because sometimes your hard work is a detriment to you. And sometimes that's actually what's hurting you more. And I didn't know that. So after I'd lost the weight, I didn't know about dieting breaks. I didn't know about any of this kind of stuff. I just always took my success or lack thereof as on me. So when my body didn't respond, I was going to go lower calories and I was going to add more cardio. cardio. And that pretty much was the thing. Well, what happened was I was teaching aerobics. Like I just kind of had the evolving in like, I lost the weight. I was going to the gym. I loved it. I wanted to teach. So started teaching classes that led to me working for the Navy. I taught boot camps for the Navy. And I loved it, but I was teaching about 13 classes a week. And I wasn't the type of teacher that was facilitating. I would get in there with it because I was addicted to it. Like I loved it. The problem is 
I had a huge change in my life. We were moving. And so I went from having 13 classes. My body had adapted to basically maintaining doing that to no classes. And even in just those short few weeks, I started to put on weight. I started to then think I needed to restrict more. And I was down to like, probably if I'm being honest, a thousand calories. Now I can't say consistently because you binge every now and then, like you eventually cave. And so I started researching online because my doctor didn't have answers for me. I mean, he looked at me and I looked healthy, but I was really having the psychology. I mean, I was just really messed up. And so I went on the forums, this is before Facebook. And I found, (laughs) I found Eric, my now husband that owned Lean Bodies Consulting. And he was really against the grain. He was like, he did contest prep. So I knew these people were lean because that was the thing I was, I was looking to be a badass. Like I didn't want to just be average. Like I was tell I was looking to be savage. So, and I wanted to keep the body I'd worked so hard for. And I started reading his articles and it was so opposite. He talked about dieting breaks and how you needed to go to what was called maintenance. And I didn't even know what maintenance calories were or anything like that. I literally had just been like, I just keep going lower and lower. Mm-hmm. And so I hired him. I was scared to death. And he basically said, listen, you know, you're probably going to gain a little bit of fat initially here because I'm going to need to do like a reverse diet. Now, how does this relate to menopause is what we're seeing now in all the research coming out is a female in a perimenopause or menopause state, their body can actually mimic pretty much what we used to see 10 years ago in contest prep, you know, dieting females in that they'd go really restrictive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to visualize that you're in a pit and as you, you know, take in less and less calories, you go deeper into this hole because that deficit gets deeper. Well, what people forget is the only way to get out, you got to fill that hole up. And that hole is filled with calories and you can't get out. You can't unstuck yourself. So yeah, the the evolving is what happens is, is women start to just lower their calories. They don't realize that our bodies are freaking fantastic, like adapters. So what happens is, so let's say that my maintenance calories, just for example, sake, when I started dieting was 2000. Okay. Well, so I'm going to take off like four or 500 calories for my deficit. And let's, let's just call it 1600 calories over time. My body is not going to see that as maintenance as a deficit anymore. It's going to become efficient. The sad thing is what we don't realize that dieting is terrible for your body because you're going yeah. against homeostasis. So yeah. you're going to affect your sex hormones, your thyroid, And if you don't take dieting breaks, then you never reset that. And so a lot of females start to shame themselves. They think something's wrong with them. In the meantime, they probably got some, you know, issues with their hormones. Now let's add to it. You're getting into your late forties, you know, maybe even later, mid fifties. It doesn't really matter the timeline. I'm actually only 44, but because of my cancer, cancer and chemotherapy immediately put me into menopause or perimenopause because I still do have irregular cycles. So because of that, we kind of used me as the guinea pig during that time. You know, I mean, Eric and I didn't really see us working with that group of people because we'd always done the contest prep. And then when he started to see that it was doing the opposite, it was lower volume in my training. I had to not train the same way. I don't do all the boot camp stuff that a lot of us see as like hard work. Therefore we see it as like effort that we've put in. Whereas a lot of us, we've stayed so much in a stressful state that we need to get into the parasympathetic. And that's like the rest and digest. Like you need to go for walks. 
And that's just so hard for the typical female to understand that you're telling me I'm going to have more progress by doing Doing less. less. Yeah. You know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a woman entering perimenopause or menopause that doesn't have some kind of dieting history. I mean, we are sold the fact that our bodies are not okay at every turn from the time we are children. Right. And so what I heard you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is like the effect of all of that dieting over the years and years and years. And then you get into this like perimenopausal state. You're actually making things way worse because you have this dieting history. Yep. Yep. Because now it's, it's like a storm for, I mean, you're just, it's, it's the perfect storm because you've already had this where you've been really toting the line. I mean, I ask people all the time, when have you taken an intentional dieting break? Most people will say never just being honest because a lot of them still haven't even learned to be compliant to it. Right. We're outside focused. So what happens is we're motivated by change. And so this is the cycle of a lot of dieters. Okay. I do really good. I see results. I kind of reward myself and then I'm back here. And then I'm, it's like the Monday to, you know, yeah. the Sunday to Saturday. Right. So you first have to address like learning to fuel your body with food and that you need to keep your promises with your nutrition. Like whatever you say you're going to do, you do so that you can start to manipulate it by increasing calories. Like most of our clients these days, I would say 85%, I need to immediately reverse diet them. Meaning they have been eating so low that the last thing I'm going to do is go even lower. Now, nine times out of 10, what I find is they actually see progress because they've never really been consistent enough because what they're trying to do is not sustainable. So I'm finally giving them the calories and a training plan that they're like, okay, I can train three days a week. I can walk for 20 minutes every day. No intense cardio. Whoa, this is crazy. Wow. I have carbs. I have, I have a lot of carbs. I have several meals with carbs. Like how is this even working? One, the body is less stressed. The, you know, they are now fueling it. So you've got the mitochondria, you know, you're upregulating the metabolism, which also upregulates your hormones. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you have things working. But what happens is for most is they get, they're fearful in increasing calories one, because anytime you increase calories, even at a healthy level, you know, you're going to bring on more food volume, which is just going to put more water in your muscles. So if you've already got like the psycho scale that excuse my, you know, that is yeah. always weighing themselves. They're the person that the moment they see that jump, they abort. Yeah. And that was me. Like I didn't have, like I dieted, didn't know how to get back up, but I knew I couldn't sustain on those calories. I would try and I would be, I would give it my good old yeah. try. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because like I had the menopause experience from hell, like literally anything and everything that could have every symptom I could check the box. Like it was, it was a nightmare. But I was that person who stressful corporate job, you know, I was in the gym every morning at 530 in the morning, didn't matter what time I went to bed, right? I had to be in the gym, right? I was all about intense, right? And then menopause hit like the hot flashes from hell, the migraines, heart palpitations. And I started packing on pounds, even though I didn't change a thing. But looking back on it now, and I'm so much smarter now, I see I was actually, I would never have called myself a dieter, but what I was, was a chronic under eater. Yes. Yes. Right. So I wasn't on a diet per se, but when Mm -hmm. I think about it, like there was this mentality where it was like, oh, well, I shouldn't eat that. Oh, I should, doesn't matter if I'm hungry. I'll wait till the morning. So I became this chronic under eater. So, you know, I'm going through my life with all of this stress. I mean, my, I physically burned out, right. 
Yep. And then, you know, menopause hits and it was like, my body was just like going sideways and it was just like, no sister, we are not doing this anymore. I had no energy. Yeah. I couldn't get out of bed. I wasn't sleeping like heart palpitations, like you name it. And it took me gaining about 35 pounds to, first of all, come to acceptance with my body. I love that. Because literally my body, I viewed my body previously as the stick that held up my head. And my only attention to my body was to beat it into some shape or form that I desired. Same, same. <laughs> right. And so I had to, like, I had no control over what was happening to my body. Like I gained 35 pounds, which, you know, ultimately like was my worst fear come true. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't work out. Like I was maybe going to the gym, like once a week, if that, and doing stretching. Right. And it took me to that point to really come to acceptance with my body to be able to see how my patterns of behavior had impacted that. And I started researching and learning. And even I got thyroid issues, like everything that you said. Yeah. And I think there are so many of us that go through life, not even realizing that we're dieting per se, because yeah. diet doesn't have a name, right? We're no, just exactly. chronic under eaters. And yes. then we're building up all this stress in our body, busy lives, busy, you know, careers, families, everything right? Then menopause hits. And yep. it's just like you said, your first instinct is go harder, eat less. Yes. And you see it and actually it will end up, you know, coax the body, it responds, force the body, it reacts. You know, mm. it's going to react. You're going to have inflammation. You're going to start struggling with bloating issues. Like you start naming all these others. This is also why you start seeing people get like a thyroid issue when they've never had one. I mean, Hashimoto's, it is crazy the amount. I mean, I've been coaching now for like 14 years. In the past three years, I would say like half of my roster has Hashis. It's a really crazy wow. thing. A lot of it due to, I mean, that's a whole other topic with trauma. And again, you staying in fight or flight, they're actually starting to heal autoimmune diseases with therapy, which is really crazy. Two years ago, I would have told you, you are a loser for trying to sell me that. And how dare you? And now I am like, wow, my eyes have been open because I see it with cancer too. Like that they're starting to see that it's about, like you said, it is self-acceptance. If people mm. would see that that is such a big part of the equation. I mean, sure. We can talk about calories and reverse dieting, but the very first thing that any of my clients do is one, they create their why, like why they're doing this. Yeah. And then we go through and build your character because when I lost my weight 20, 19 years ago, it came from a place of hating myself. And while mm. maybe you'll get there, you'll never keep it. You can't hate your way there long-term yeah. because yeah. hating your way there is it's over-consuming and under-consuming. It's compensatory behaviors. When you come from a place of love, you won't skip meals nearly as much because you're seeing it as a fuel source. Like as females, we are so yeah. warped. And I think yeah. too, you add to it, if you've been a serial dieter, what happens is you kind of have what I call a lack issue where you're kind of afraid to run out of food because you've already done so many starvation diets that there's a lot of women. The reason why they skip breakfast is because deep down, it's like they don't want to come to the end of their day without having that. And it's a cycle that You've got to learn to show your body that you trust it and it can trust you and that you are going to fuel it. Like I, I revolt. Yeah. My inner child hates meal prep. Like, because I think as a child, like, cause you really got to look into why you have yeah. the issues you have. And I couldn't figure out why I would just be like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I thought, is it because I'm like this woman equality? Is that why I don't want to be in my kitchen? That wasn't it. It was that 
I had to take care of myself at a very young age. I was already making my own meals. So I felt like I never got that part. And when I went right. through therapy and I went through like healing the inner child, I have to tell myself audibly that me going in the kitchen and making a good meal is the ultimate proof of self-love and self-care. On Mother's Day this year, I told my family because we were going to go out and that would have been great and fine. But I said, you know what? You know what I would love for all of us to be in the kitchen and let's make a really good, healthy meal with all of our single ingredient, you know, healthy foods that are nourishing us. That's the love to me. And just trying to model that with our kids, right? Like self-love is not driving through Chick-fil-A and, you know, because you're just checked out of life, right? It's, it's, you know, and it's going to require some work and, you know, digging in and, and doing it. Well, and I think too, there are so many of us women coming from the place of not enough, right? Like, you know, and honestly, I will say that was me, right? But, and the one thing that I could control is the way that my body looked, right? Like, so at least I can be physically fit, you know, like this supposed mold that we have been, you know, like I saw somewhere the other day that we see something like 30,000 images a day, consciously and subconsciously about what the perfect female form looks like, which crazy you look at it is an airbrushed photo of a 25 year old woman. So here's all of us in our 45s and 50s, right? Like subconsciously taking this programming in and trying to and measuring ourselves against it and falling short because your body, it's not even a 25 year old's body because it's airbrushed for God's (laughs) sakes. Yeah, that's just it. And then I think it's why you, when you do get to this age, You do need to shift who you're following, who you're surrounded by. I mean, I was in the fitness industry and even for myself, because I was someone that had lost all this weight. Like I can't compare myself to a competitor. I'm never going to look like a competitor. I've lost uh, almost a hundred pounds. I have loose skin. I have all those things. So for me to find like-minded females always made me feel better. Well, that's kind of what happened with this, you know, menopause area that we went into, we've always had a training group where it was just a regular group for females. And what's happened is over time, females will come in there talking about their lack of recovery. And so Eric was like, you know, let's build another one. Cause I always had to have lower volume for myself because of my cancer and just where I am in my stage of life. And so we started this other group. The crazy thing is while yes, they get a training program. What we've learned is these women get a voice and they get validation from other females mm-hmm. that they're like, you know, what was working before is no longer working. And I feel crazy in my head. I'm gaining it in my kidney area, a place that I never have gained before. Or I'm gaining it in my arms. I've never had, you know, it's like people start gaining fat in areas they've never before. And they don't know how to feel about it. Like you feel like you are a, almost like a foreigner yeah. in your body, right? Oh, 100%. And you know, like, for myself, like I managed to kind of figure out some of this stuff myself. Mind you, it took me probably the good part of four years, right? Like just researching and trying to understand my own body. And right. when I listened to this podcast that you guys did, like it just, it really struck me because nobody had explained it the way that you and Eric were explaining it. And I was like, oh my God, like all of those pieces fit together in that like one hour podcast that you did. I was like, it took me four years or more to figure this out. And still I didn't couldn't quite put all the pieces together, but it was like everything landed. So anyone listening to this, like if you are in this menopausal state and you're finding yourself injured all the time, you're, you're not sleeping, you have low energy, you're dieting, you're trying to lose those pounds. I hundred percent encourage you to, I'll put the link in the show notes, but go check out this podcast and listen to it because literally it was like, it was explained like nothing, like nobody has ever explained it. And I've seen naturopaths and doctors and like hormone specialists 
endocrinologists, like you name it, nobody explained it in a way that made sense to me like that podcast did. And that oh, was, I, I love was that. Like, oh my well, God. I'll have to, and I, will, this. I will send you. So Eric did like a loom video where he shared his screen. I have a copy of it that I'll send you because I like the visual of he'll, he has like the bullet points of like the things that you should be doing, because again, it's going to be all the non-traditional things. Like what we've encouraged is we do these challenges to, in our group to try to teach them the habits. The first one we do is their sleep and wake time consistency. You know, you have a circadian rhythm and a lot of people take this for granted. There is a whole, I mean, our bodies again are so incredible in how our wake up time, you need to start tracking this. Is it taking you a long time to wake up? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you really trying to keep the habit of, you know, sleep hygiene is not going to happen on accident. You actually have to be intentional about it. Right. You know, are you, we have a lot of screen time. Are you doing blue light glasses at night? Like we have a whole routine at night that our kids have the same glasses because we don't, we want to make sure you're getting sleep. That's the first thing. Second thing is start taking 20 minutes in the sun, hopefully outside if you can outside. 20 minutes, parasympathetic. I don't like, we, we, in the podcast, we talked about steps and we're going to do a whole new podcast on that. I don't like the, the step idea because you could wear a little pedometer and because you're walking around your house, you're like, I did 5,000 steps. That's not what we're looking for. This is not a caloric burn. This is for you yeah. to get out in nature yeah. and actually get into the parasympathetic because most women don't know how to switch. They've been too much in fight or flight, right? Well, Yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say that because I mean, we live very stressful lives, right? And you know, our bodies can tolerate stress to a certain point before it like gives out. Then you put the menopause thing on top of that. Right. And all, everything that you were doing before that used to work for you now no longer works. Right. And so, you know, I recognize for me that like I had to make some serious lifestyle changes, right? Like find ways to bring my cortisol down because it was like through the roof. Right. And and having, you know, we program, we call mindfulness activities that they have to do no less than three activities a week. It might be sex. It might be a hot bath. It might be, you know, like a walk, but it's intentionally scheduling this for yourself. Because I always say that self-care is the ultimate form of love and self-care is not gorging yourself. Self-care is like doing the things that, you know, your future self, like really will, you know, benefit from. So it is you know, from there, it would be your meal consistency on timing. This was a very interesting one for me. When I started learning about your dieting hormones, ghrelin and leptin, they actually want this predictability. So hunger is going to be there when you're dieting regardless. But if you stick to the same times roughly every day, you will notice that that ghrelin, that dieting hormone, it will like the predictability. So the hunger won't be as like this, you'll start to notice it coming on about 20 to 30 minutes before that meal, it just starts to know it. And it likes that predictability. And, you know, when you start to learn the science behind some of that, I think it helps a lot of women have conviction behind it. You know, like for me, sleep, I kind of just put that by the wayside for years. I almost wore it as a badge of honor that I got up at 4.30, right? And then when Eric started reading a book on cortisol and just like sleep habits, he was like, Amy, you're doing, I know that you feel like you're getting up and doing stuff, but this is actually hurting you. And so now, I mean, I just took a trip recently where it was hard for me. I woke up in the morning and I wanted to go to the gym, but I had limited time one and I had to prioritize sleep. So I wasn't allowed to set my alarm for earlier than 6am because my way of always getting stuff in in the past was I would just sacrifice sleep Mm -hmm. and go to the gym 4.30am. I know that one. (laughs) Now I am forcing myself that 
if I am at a cost of time, I am never going to make my sleep be the thing that loses, you know, the time. And instead I went for a 20 minute walk that day. I actually didn't even train the entire time I was in Arizona. And instead I took the walks and I just learned that like, and I have to train myself too. Like, cause I, I want to yeah. do those things, but I'm like, Amy, are you looking to have the physique and the health that you really want for the future or the right now, like, cause people will say like, Oh, it's my, it gives me my little, you know, endorphin kick. Well, you've got to find, I always say, find a different thing because this can't be your stress relief is high intensity cardio. That's not, it's, it's a temporary, you know, it's only giving you what you think. Yeah. It's not really, it's in fact, any intense cardio is stress to the body. So it's only common sense when you've got a stressed out body, you don't want to be doing those things. Well, I think I heard you say somewhere before that for every dose of stress, you need two doses of recovery. Yes. Yes. And that's the same with fat loss for every month that you diet, you should be spending two months at maintenance, you know, and, and taking scheduling dieting breaks. I mean, I have a client right now. It's not like anything is going wrong in her dieting. She's doing awesome, but we're at about four months in and I don't want her to become metabolically adapted. So I put her up in maintenance for a couple of weeks and being preventative she only has to go there for a couple of weeks. The cool thing is like the scale went up maybe a pound, came right back down and we're right back on our path of, you know, keeping her healthy. And, you know, people don't like to do that because they're always on this deadline. And I'm always like, you got to stop the deadlines and see yeah. this as a lifestyle, right? So if there's a woman listening who is feeling really crappy, like they're eating 1200 calories a day, how do they know what maintenance is? Like, how do you get to figure out maintenance? So- a healthy maintenance, you should, a female body, and it doesn't matter, you know, how much fat or muscle you have, it should be roughly around 14 to 15 times body weight. So if you weigh, you know, like what I weigh, I weigh 150. I already know what mine is, but because I eat about 2190, which is a little less than 1500, but or 15 times body weight. So my maintenance is, you know, so you want to test it. Like the best mm. thing to do with any, you know, person is set your calories at around 14. Don't push it. 15 would be a very healthy person. And I'd be really surprised if I met anyone that just off the bat was maintaining there. So 14 times body weight and then the calories, you want to fill them up with protein first, which will be one gram per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 150, you're going to have 150 grams. The rest of your calories fill in with carbs and fats. I say that loosely because you want to have an approach that's sustainable. Still having 90% of your food should be single ingredients. I like that on training days, I have more carbs, you know, and on my off days, I have more fats because they just tend to be a little more um, satisfying. And plus it teaches you to listen to your body and what like you respond better with some people I've seen, like if they've had low carb dieting a lot of their life, man, they're very, they're insulin sensitive. And what happens is when they have a lot of carbs, they actually feel like lethargic and fatigued and kind of sluggish mm. until they get over that hump of like, yeah, bringing in more carbs, you know, but it's just, and then just test that, you know, if you don't maintain and you see that you're gaining, that's, that's a red flag. The other alternative is this start at 12 times body weight because your fat loss dieting calories should be 10 to 12. Start on the high end so you're not too scared of all the calories, right? And see again what happens. If you drop a couple pounds, then you know you're not in that metabolic like dysfunction area. But if you maintain or gain, you need to take a dieting break. 
because you should be losing at 12 times body weight. And if you're not, you know, assume that you're going to be hundred percent for those two weeks. See it as a science experiment. I tell people this all the time. If you change any yeah. of the variables, you're never going to know. So you at least got to do a couple weeks where you test it. And, you know, sometimes people surprise me. I'll see them drop a few pounds at 12 times body weight. And I know that we can diet for a little bit before we, you know, but right. some people will just hold steady. And I try to logically remind them, listen, you don't want to be maintaining it this amount of calories because that means we got to go lower to diet. And that means like your maintenance on the other side of this, it's really hard to maintain. I maintain on 2190. That's a lot of calories. And yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little person, you know, I wear a size, people are shocked that I get five big meals a day, but I maintained at about 1500 when I hired Eric. So all these years later, wow. I've, you, you can, you adapt the other yeah. way too. And it's, you know, you must, it's super important. Yeah. One of the things that you guys talked about on the podcast too, which I found super interesting. And, and again, it was like a reflective of my own experience was especially for like women in the menopausal state, there is a lot of talk about cutting carbs, doing keto, like all of this stuff. And like, I kind of went into it and was like, okay, I guess, you know, because of insulin or whatever, you know, I can't tolerate carbs anymore. So I cut out carbs, ended up feeling worse and worse and worse over time. And then you guys were talking about how, you know, when estrogen's dropping, sometimes you need actually more carbs to balance yes, that, you which do. is like, nobody is talking about that. No, you know, you have to remember that a medical doctor has two weeks of nutrition in their courses when they become like a general practitioner. So anyone that you're hearing that, cause I, I hear a lot of doctors are like, oh, just go low carb, you know, just yeah. drop the carbs. They know nothing about the way that the body works and that we actually need all of these macronutrients, you know, to live. And I mean, to thrive, like you don't want to cut out a group. Like I always say to people, listen, there are people like, I mean, even with my cancer, I've had to cut sugar and things like that. So if you've got a health issue, that's one thing, but most people have no desire to keep carbs out of their diet for a lifetime. So why teach yourself that that's the way you get there? Because you will whether you want to or not, you are going to associate your success with how you get there. It's why I meet women that are 300 pounds that will still swear by keto. And I'm like, listen, it wasn't, I know you maybe lost hundred pounds five years ago doing it, but that's not success because you're here. So, right. you know, and you need it, you need it for functioning hormones. You need this to make, you know, again, keeping sure, you know, keeping all of these macronutrients, fats are another one. If you're from like my era, like this, what was yeah. it? The, or all those like low fat devil's food, snack wells. Everything. The yeah, snack, snack wells. wells. Oh, fat -free yes, I remember. Yep. I lived on those devil's food, you know, like I have a whole package of them. Not realizing that again, you know, you can't be afraid of fat too. This will have an effect on your hormones as well. You know, like yeah. that it's finding the balance and, you know, and seeing it as like, again, I was afraid to have a lot of like nuts and fats and even cheese. Like I saw cheese is like, Oh my gosh, you know? And now I'm like, because as we do get older, I mean, you don't want to be no carb or low carb, but our bodies, they get rusty. And so it's why over time, like the Mediterranean diet or more carbs focused around your training is kind of ideal for everyone because we all eventually become pre-diabetics because the older we get, they're just, our body parts are rusty. And this is where yeah. you'll see like the swings. So it's kind of like, if you're going to attract habits in your life, like I'm already looking for more, you know, fat dense type meals for my family, because I know that's going to help us as we age. 
Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Because again, demonizing any one food group, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. And you guys explained it again so well in that podcast. So again, I'm going to encourage you guys to go listen to this. Let's talk about cardio for a second. Cardio and strength training, because I see this so often. It's like, oh, I ate this thing. It was bad. And now I'm going to go hop on the Stairmaster and do an hour to get rid of it. And how cardio is actually working against us in this metabolic, in this menopausal state of life. Well, and cardio in general works against you anyways, because all the studies show you that it actually increases your appetite. So like if you're already in a deficit and you think that going and doing like, because a lot of people do like steady state cardio, which doesn't burn a ton. Let's face it. You can get on the treadmill and kind of walk for like an hour and I mean, go eat two Oreo cookies and that's how long it's going to take to burn it off. So you already want to really get away from compensatory behaviors. Like you're going to eat something, just own it because you're, you're never going to out exercise a bad diet. Second to that too, when you're doing all this cardio, like as we get older, once we hit about 35, you're going to be losing about a pound of muscle per year, just naturally. Like that's, I think it's about a half a pound per year. Mm-hmm. So add to that, most women aren't eating enough protein and then they're not strength training we're getting, and this is also why their physique is changing. They're getting softer because they're going for the quick fix or the quick calorie burn, which is cardio. They don't, especially people that wear heart rate monitors now, because I know I'm guilty of, you know, years ago, I wore like the polar heart rate monitor. And when I was obsessed with like the calorie burn, I would never choose weight training to say the no. step mill because I could get on the step mill and burn 500 calories. But in my weight training, it is only showing on my thing that maybe a couple hundred. And that's a mistake that a lot of women make. I mean, I was very guilty of that. So you have to see it as strength training is like the, you know, the staple to you getting strong, you know, to keeping your strength. I mean, when you get older and we're not thinking about it, but now that I'm having elderly parents and I have a mother-in-law in the nursing home, the last thing you want to lose is like your pelvis yes. stability. You're in a crane. I mean, my mother-in-law has a crane, take her out. Like she doesn't even get into a walker. And it has scared us in a positive way that, I mean, I do my dynamic warmups every day. I am strength training for, I mean, sure. I want a great physique, but primary is I can move. I want to be able to lift my grandkids, you know? (laughs) What? Yeah. What I hear you saying in all of this is like, you know, we're going for these, like, like you just said, the quick fix things. And really all of this stuff, we need to be looking at it with a much longer term horizon, right? This isn't about the next six weeks or the next even year. This is about doing the right things to invest in our health for long-term, right? But I think as women, we become so fixated on our bodies. And especially when we reach this time and our bodies are changing, like they are, right? They don't look like they did when we were 25. And again, our natural instinct is, okay, hyper-focus on the body, do all the things to when really we're actually setting ourselves back in terms of long-term health as we move into our seventies and eighties. Yep. And then you have worry around it. So that's the other thing too, a tightly wound or someone that tends to be a little more like type A personality, it can be again to their detriment because they're a lot in their problem in their head. So they're constantly thinking about what's the next meal? How many calories am I going to have? What's the scale going to say tomorrow? Are my clothes going to fit next week? Versus just putting your head down and making some habitual like changes in your life. Start with five minutes of walking because I tell people all the time now, if you can't commit to some three, like three health habits daily, don't hire me for coaching because you got to master some like lifestyle health things like drink water. Like, I don't want you to only do it for the external because I already know that on the other side, I mean, I've had thousands of coaches or of clients over the years and 
I'm really sad when they quit right as they get to their physique goal and they don't even have an exit strategy. I already know. I'll say to them, you're going to see me in two years. Like you're going to reach out to me in a couple of years because 95% of women and men too will gain their weight back within the first year. And two thirds of those people will be heavier. That's the stat. It's pretty depressing. Only 5% keep it. So we don't have a weight loss problem in our society. We have a weight stability problem and, you know, not a lot of push on seeing us be optimized. And that's the era we're in for, you know, menopause. You don't have to be miserable during this time. You don't have to accept that your body is going in a different way. Sure. Gravity for sure. I mean, you're not going to have the perky 30 year old butt. But that's also why you need to be around people there. But it doesn't mean you should hang up the towel. I mean, I have a I have a female right now that she's, I think, 61 in the best shape of her life. Like I posted Love up it. her double bicep the other day. I mean, insane transformation. So it's never too late. I mean, I have a 61-year-old that I just posted her booty transformation. And I mean, she's always had nothing. And she's like, and she feels empowered. Like there's something yes. about as we get older to get in the gym and lift heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, creating your best life in the next chapter, like creating what I call your kick-ass next chapter. And there's a huge part of that. Whereas when you physically feel good, right? Like maybe you're in the gym and you're lifting something heavier than you ever thought you could, right? When you're like, you know, like you said, you're gaining a little bit of muscle, you're feeling confident that spills out into all areas of your life. Oh, So maybe you do end up chasing that dream, right? But you can't, you won't have the energy to do, to chase the dream and do the thing if your physical health is failing, right? So you have to look at it from all the sides because you need, like, it all needs to be working together. And I think your health is the first place to start because it, you know, we say this to clients all the time. I'm like, I joke because when I see them start transforming their physique, I'm like, you watch, you're going to know you deserve better in life. You're going to go after the jobs. You're going to ask for the raise. And I've watched, I mean, I just interviewed a couple of them. I mean, I had a lady on that she full on changed her career after losing 50 pounds. Never thought she would do that. I had another attorney that she worked with me for like a year and a half, really high paying attorney job, hated it. Absolutely hated it lost all the weight, got in the best shape of her life and went back to nursing school. She goes, I want to be a nurse. She goes, and you know what? I know I'll do it, Amy, because I keep my promises to myself. If you can change your physique, you really start to show yourself that you can do anything because there's so much of the physique development that's personal development. Going into the gym and leaning into uncomfortable, every set is leaning into uncomfortable. So I tell people when I don't want to go to the gym, I say, this is about my personal development. This isn't about my physique right now. I'm going in there because I need to go against my mind. <laughs> you know? I, I love it. And like, I don't know, being in the gym has got me through some of the toughest times of my life. I have to say, because yes. like there is a sense of empowerment when physically you're doing something like it spills yes. over. So I agree. Oh my God. We could talk about this all day. So let's, okay. What are like women are in the menopausal state? What are like the three things that we should be focusing on? Like for our long-term health, for fitness, health, like what are those three things? I would say one, your sleep. I mean, it sounds like such a simple one, but sleep is where a lot of it is going to start. So it's making sure you get seven plus hours. You know, I wear an aura ring now, like if this, see, don't you love it? (laughs) If you, it brings more awareness to it, you know, and it was really eye-opening to me to see that. So that's probably number one. 
Two, it would be strength training. I mean, you're going to be losing muscle from 35 on. So if you're already not happy with the way that your body is changing, you need to be lifting iron and you need to be lifting heavy, like, and not be afraid of it. Like you're never going to, you're never going to accidentally put on too much muscle. What happens with some females, if they've had like a stressed body and they go strength training, you will have a little bit of inflammation, but that will, you know, over time, if you know, that will come down, but to not be afraid of that. And then I think third to that, it would be getting enough calories. It's not about how little you can eat anymore. It's making sure that you're getting in enough protein, you know, and from there, then I would say, look into like supplementation or getting your hormones checked, you know, like you can, you know, have a panel if you're still not seeing, you know, I'm always like, do everything you can. Like we're not big supplement pushers, for that reason, it's like our bodies are amazing. Let's first see what we can yeah. do through. You know, it's a little bit slower changes for you when you're, it's the slow little habits, but over time, you know, that helps. And then for those that don't, I mean, I do recommend Vitex. It's an over the, you buy it on like Amazon. I swear it's like $15 a bottle. It is the best for people that have like the swings around um, their period time, or if they would have been mm. getting their period cravings and things like that. I started taking it a couple of years ago. I'm not affiliated with them. And it was a game changer. I had terrible, terrible, like, you know, cravings and hunger and all of that. I don't really have that anymore. So that's a great thing. You know, if you are, you know, if you are someone that has had, you know, that, and then, you know, I always say, I mean, then get a coach. If you are really tired of thinking about it, but first learn to keep some promises. Don't invest all the money. And I mean, I, people like you're turning people away. I'm like, it's just because I really want you to come at a primed place where you've really learned that, you know, this has to be a health driver long-term that you need to be serious about your health because your body is changing. And, you know, it doesn't feel fun when you don't really, you know, I know I didn't, I'd hate the hot flashes and you don't have to, you know, the more that you start taking care of your nutrition and your sleep and drinking water, those things go away. It's just that doctors tend to medicate and we have to remember that, that they're going to mask it with a medication versus sleep doesn't cost them anything. And either does telling you to drink more water and you know what I mean? Go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. And then definitely, you know, like we were talking about adding in those like stress reduction things, walking, sex, baths, whatever it is for you that, you know, is, it brings down your stress levels. Like, so critical. Like for me, that was probably the biggest thing that I ever did, like was starting that daily walking habit, like going into the forest. Yes. 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 And, and seeing it as your time, like, it's funny. I've had clients that at first they've resisted it. It's now become their favorite thing because they see it as, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bringing my body down because a lot of people just come home, you know, breath work would be another thing to do. Like if you want to get out of that, um, cold, cold plunges. Yes. And no, it can be a stressor on the body. So the timing of it, when you do it is important. I mean, morning and night, like meaning like after training, you actually don't want to, because you want your body to stay in the inflamed, you know? So that wouldn't be ideal. And some people, if it scared, you know, if scares them, then that's a stressor. So you got to kind of play with that one, but breath work, fantastic. Like yeah. anytime yeah. I'm in fight or flight, I go right into my, yeah. my breath work to help. Yeah. I've just started dabbling in that too. I mean, I've always kind of done it, but I'm really like digging in deep now because it has such a, it's, it is core to our human function. Like there's yes. nothing more core than our breath. <laughs> It is. And it connecting to the vagus nerve, it's pretty crazy when you start to learn all of this, yeah, that right? our emotions are through our gut and, you know, we can, you know, cause I, I have a lot of trauma. And so I tend to get triggered, you know, I can get triggered and 
I'm in a different, you know, zone at that point. And breath work is one of, you know, walks, I could still stay in my head and go on that walk and be like a little bit too much. Whereas like the breath work will force the stop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Like again, and I'm going to say this again for anyone listening. If you are struggling, you know, with health and fitness in this menopausal state, you have to go listen to the Effit podcast, Amy's podcast. I'm going to put all the links there. I'll put the link to that specific episode because like the explanation and, you know, Eric gets into a lot of like the, the deep technical stuff that is way beyond my pay grade explanations of it. Like I said, and I've never, ever, ever heard it explained in a way that made so much sense to me before. So you have to go check it out. And Amy, I just want to say thank you for sharing all of this with us, because I know this is going to help a lot of women. You are definitely going to have to come back on the podcast. Amy just has daily accountability cards, which is a whole practice about keeping promises to yourself, which is incredible, which I do. (laughs) I put my hand up. I am a follower of it. So we're going to have Amy come back and talk about that. But thank you. Thank you for sharing this time with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm just happy that, you know, if it resonates with one person, honestly, it's so worth it. You know, it's it's something people need to pay attention to and really wake up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, we are changing like this time of our lives is, are, is not like any other time before, and we can't keep doing the same things like yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, we can't keep doing the same things. Right. And it's time exactly. to make some shifts. Probably the biggest thing that we can do for ourselves is start with our physical body. So, Yes. Thank you so much. So for everybody listening, if you loved this episode, I would so appreciate it if you give us a rating or review or even better, pass this along to a friend that you think could use this information. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 